And I think that at the time, this sounded super far-fetched and super futuristic. But what we're seeing now with LLMs is exactly that. The potential for autonomous economic agents, um, which can do and perform economically useful work. And all of those agents are going to need a bank account. And I'll tell you this, they're not going to be able to get a traditional bank account very easily, uh, but they can literally generate a private key and start accepting crypto. Hey, everybody. Tanner here with Wagner Ventures. On today's episode, we have Fabio Berger, co-founder and CEO at Blowfish. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagner Ventures podcast, where we do snapshots with interesting builders, founders, and investors from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Fabio at Blowfish. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Fabio Berger, co-founder and CEO at Blowfish. Fabio, what's up? How are you doing hey. today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm pumped to chat, learn about all the cool stuff happening at Blowfish. So, you know, I definitely do want to talk about Blowfish, but I'd love to maybe just by way of introduction, talk about you a little bit because you've launched a variety of ventures. You've worked as a software engineer in places like Airtable and Xerox Labs and others. I think you were employee number nine at Airtable. So I'd love to talk about your introduction to crypto. Like, how'd you get interested? What made crypto kind of really click for you? Yeah. So I fell down the rabbit hole in 2014. A buddy of mine sent me the Bitcoin white paper. At the time, I was studying computer science and economics. And so I think Bitcoin kind of represented that that intersection of interests. And, you know, this whole idea of digital scarcity was very compelling. And I could see how this would be insanely useful in a more digitized world. And then I guess came 2016 when Ethereum launched. I decided to quit my job and start writing some smart contracts. I had a lot of crazy ideas. Let's tokenize real estate. Let's let's create these decentralized ETF issuer contracts. But what I quickly realized is it was a bit early for these ideas and that we still had to build a lot of the fu- fundamental and foundational infrastructure. So when I found out about Xerox, I actually reached out to Will and Amir and said that I wanted to use their protocol. And they then wrote back, well, do you want to help us build it? Because it's still pretty much a white paper and a little bit of solidity. So I ended up joining Xerox as the first hire beginning of 2017 and have been working in the space ever since. I, yeah, I, you know, went super deep into DeFi, actually discovered my first crypto scam in 2017. And I can tell a little bit more about that. But that's essentially how I fell down the rabbit hole. Perfect. Okay. So I'm curious about this lead up to starting Blowfish, where I'm always curious, Mm -hmm. founders, like, you know, what moment or what series of trends kind of coalesce to help you reach conviction that this would be kind of the best opportunity you could pursue at that given moment? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think this is, you know, this is like one of the hardest things to do is to identify a problem and then reach that conviction that it's the right thing to be pursuing. In my case, I, you know, started with some soul searching. I knew I was very passionate about privacy and security is, you know, kind of the other side of the privacy coin. In a lot of ways, you can't have privacy without security. I started to become also a bit concerned about non-custodial wallets and the threats that that could target them. Specifically, I was worried about software supply chain security threats and how that could allow an attacker to mass exfiltrate private keys from non-custodial wallets. So I, I reached out to, to the founders at Phantom and you know asked them if they were also losing sleep over this at night. And it turns out they were, and they were also concerned about this. So I, I started off by doing some contract work for Phantom related to software supply chain security. 
But when I was there, I saw, you know, a lot of users were writing in about getting scammed through other means or losing funds through other means. And in, in that case, they were saying, help, I clicked this mint button and now all my funds are gone. And it just kind of dawned on me that, yes, you know, software supply chain security, very important. But here was like a very tangible, very real way that a lot of people were losing a lot of money. And like I said, I had seen crypto native scams for the first time in 2017, thought someone else would have solved it by now. And since they hadn't, I knew that this was like a pertinent and pernicious problem that would continue to resurface and something that would require a dedicated team to tackle. And so, yeah, I guess when I saw the real pain that these users had and also the reputational damage that could be inflicted on wallets, I decided this is a problem worth solving. Love it. Okay. So let's talk about Blowfish, this thing that came out of that process where <clears throat> I was reading a little bit on the Blowfish blog and it, and I think it was the blog post introducing Blowfish to the world. Your team describes kind of the gold standard and signature security as including transaction simulation, message decoding, domain scanning, and fraud detection logic. And so I wanted to maybe kind of use those as a starting point to talk about how all this works. You know, how would you describe or kind of explain what Blowfish is and, and what it enables? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, at a fundamental level, I think that there's this big outstanding problem with blockchains, uh, smart contract blockchains, where it's really hard to know what you're signing. You know, when we when the blockchain was Bitcoin only, it was pretty easy to just decode a transaction and say like, oh, you're transferring 10 Bitcoins to Bob. As soon as you start using a smart contract blockchain, though, the transaction just encodes a function call to a Turing complete program. And that function call could be doing absolutely anything. And so I guess we had this realization at Blowfish that when we made this shift to using smart contract blockchains, I think the developers didn't really think through the implications of that when it comes to readability and understandability of transactions. And this is fundamentally the thing that scammers takes, take advantage of when they scam users with a wallet draining transaction, for instance. And so what we do at Blowfish is we try and both show the user what they are signing in human readable language that they can understand, enriched with the metadata about the assets and the entities involved. And on top of that, if we also know that this is a, you know, this is a transaction from a scammer or a fraudster or someone who's trying to steal your funds, we also issue warnings so that you won't fall for that same trick. So really, I think fundamentally what we're trying to do is make transactions readable, understandable, both benign and malicious transactions, and give users wallets the tools to make informed decisions when signing transactions and messages. Very cool. Okay. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about some of the varieties of these scams that people often fall prey to, where I think, you know, if we don't know someone personally, or we ourselves haven't kind of fallen prey, it might be helpful just to maybe get a little bit of a classification and then maybe some stories of how Blowfish has helped users kind of avoid those particular kind of tricks or those traps. Yeah, sure. So a lot of the scams that we're seeing start off with a phishing operation. What we mean by that is, you know, a scammer tries to get a user to click on a link and visit a website and perform some action on that website. You know, these links, you might see them in your Twitter DMs, you might see them in Discord or in emails. They're really all over the place. 
the first thing that the scammer needs to do is trick you into clicking it and believing that it is a legitimate project. So a lot of these scams end up impersonating well-known brands. And, and once, once you're on one of these sites, it'll try and get you to sign a transaction or a message. Now, kind of, you know, Blowfish supports both EVM chains and Solana, and we intend to expand to more blockchains. And every blockchain has different attack vectors or different ways that, that scammers try and drain a user's wallet. If we talk about EVM, what we see is a lot of times the scammers go after any assets that have been approved to a particular protocol. So a lot of users have a lot of assets that have been, a lot of NFTs, for instance, that have been approved to the OpenSea smart contract. And so the scammer can steal many assets in one transaction. If they can get the user to sign a Seaport order, for instance, that trades all of the user's NFTs for nothing or for a very small nominal amount. And so what we do is not only do we analyze that Seaport order and sort of figure out what it's doing, we also try and ensure that the value of the assets moving in and out of the user's wallet, were they to sign that trade, are more or less equivalent. And if not, that would cause, for instance, an imbalanced trade warning. But really, I can't, like, the diversity of these types of threats is so great that I can't list them all here. Maybe I could just give you one more example. You know, we also catch things such as poisoned address attacks. So poisoned address attacks is where, well, maybe actually I won't even go into that. There's too many. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Hey everybody, quick thing here. We're excited to announce Wagney Advisory, your home for all things fundraising, hiring, and partnerships. This is all about supercharging your project with the Wagney Network, consisting of over 20,000 executives, investors, and builders in crypto, all ready to come alongside your project to help it succeed. Get in touch at team at wagneyventures.io to learn more and figure out if Wagney Advisory is the right fit for your project. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so I think one thing I'm curious about is the uniqueness of Blowfish, because this, I think from a high level, I think most people would recognize if you've been in crypto a little while, this is a major problem, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a variety of people and projects trying to tackle this. And so I'm curious, like, you know, what else is out there? How do you guys think about differentiation at a high level from kind of inside Blowfish? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess the first thing to note is that Blowfish is is going with a B2B go-to-market strategy, right? So there are a lot of sort of security extensions that you can install that sit in front of your existing wallet and try and provide security in that way. But we feel very strongly that this security should be baked into the wallet, that the wallet is, you know, in a position to keep users safe, in the best position to keep users safe. And so we've been we've been working exclusively with wallets to level up their security. The other thing that makes us unique to competitors is that we continue to evolve as the space evolves. When we first got started, you know, there weren't a lot of risk signals out there to go off of. And so we were generating a lot of risk signal internally. And this is what we see a lot of our competitors doing exclusively. But what we've noticed is that there are a lot of other risk signal providers that have popped up in the meantime. And now we are very busy including all of that risk signal into our platform and really turning into a support service for wallets where we help them evaluate other risk signal providers and, and also keep track of how well they're all performing. What's their false positive, false negative rate? How much alpha do they have relative to other risk signal providers? And yeah, we strongly believe that you know this 
the attack surface for sort of Web3 risk is so large that there isn't going to be any one provider that can do it all. And so we're already executing on this future that we're seeing where it actually makes sense to be ingesting and using risk signal from many different providers. And I haven't seen any of our competitors take that same strategic position. Got it. Yeah, that's fascinating. So if that's kind of the future you're looking toward or expecting, I guess I'm curious, you know, maybe not an industry standard, but if Blowfish does become more widely adopted and then in the way you just described does become a little, you know, central to evaluating the risk signal providers, I'm Mm -hmm. curious, what kind of possibilities become enabled if that happens, if you guys continue to succeed at protecting wallets in this way? Yeah, I think that there's this issue in security where a lot of times it's hard to evaluate how good a security provider is. You know, it's something that's very hard to measure and quantify. But if you have a platform that can do this at scale, I think what it allows for the whole ecosystem is for anyone who's not performing or anyone who's, you know, who's selling snake oil, they're going to be discovered. And right. anyone who's gen- who's genuinely creating alpha and real risk signals that are very low false positive rate, very low false negative rate, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get that visibility and they're gonna be able to sell to more customers. So I think, like ultimately, what we're helping do is create a more efficient market for, and I think that is just gonna have a huge impact on the level of security that we have as an ecosystem. Yeah, fascinating. Okay. So, you know, two recurring questions on this podcast as they relate to Blowfish, I wanted to ask you. So first one is just really about kind of, you know, what was the biggest obstacle to getting Blowfish off the ground? And how did your team kind of overcome that problem kind of early days? Yeah, I guess just you you have to earn their trust. I I don't think that there's any shortcuts to that other than acting with a high degree of morals, um, values, and putting in the hard work. But once you earn that trust, that's obviously a very defensible position to be in because they're not going to easily switch to some other unknown entity for as long as you're doing a, a great job. Yeah, it's really interesting. Almost the the immaterial benefit of being trustworthy, right? Especially in <laughs> when trust is almost the market you're in, figuring out you know what projects are most trustworthy, et cetera. It, it, Seems like it would go without saying, but it does seem interesting that being trustworthy yourself is kind of a prerequisite that has mm-hmm. to be demonstrated and and there's a process there. So Absolutely. Yeah. It's really you know, interesting. Your reputation, it takes a lifetime to build it and you can destroy it in a second. That is absolutely true. And so it's just, yeah, super, super important. Yeah. Super interesting. So the second question I wanted to ask was really about kind of what gets you excited or motivated these days? Where as you think about the good work you guys are continuing to do at Blowfish, what gets you most excited and motivated as you think about what you're building for the future? There's a lot of things. I think one thing that I'm very excited about is we are getting super close to having simulation results displayed to users that are not just an estimate of what is going to happen, but can be something that can be 100% relied on. So think what you see is what you get simulation results. And I kind of feel like, you know, that's something that we already have in Web2. When you go to your online banking interface and you see the approval prompt for a transfer, you don't have to second guess, is this actually going to happen? And we're very close to having that in crypto as well. 
And so I think that's just going to be a, a step function improvement in terms of the, the level of security that wallets can offer their users. And Blowfish is working very hard to make that, that future a reality. And then I guess more generally in crypto, I'm super excited actually about the intersection between crypto and, and LLMs. I think, you know, it, it's funny to me that I'm not hearing more people talk about this, but actually all the way back in 2014, one of the first talks about crypto that I listened to on the internet was a talk given by Mike Hearn. Mike was a core developer of Bitcoin, and he was talking about how cryptocurrencies could be used in the future by a fleet of autonomous vehicles that all have a bank account associated with their identity, are able to give people rides. If they have excess funds, they could purchase an, an additional clone of themselves onto the road. And if they ran out of funds, they could sell themselves to the scrapyard. And that would create this self-balancing system based on supply and demand of you know, self-driving taxis. And I think that at the time, this sounded super far-fetched and super futuristic. But what we're seeing now with LLMs is exactly that the potential for autonomous economic agents, which can do and perform economically useful work. And all of those agents are going to need a bank account. And I'll tell you this, they're not going to be able to get a traditional bank account very easily, uh, sure. but they can literally generate a private key and start accepting crypto. And so I kind of see crypto as the payment rails for LLMs and agents as they come online. And so I think there's going to be a lot of really awesome synergies between these two epic technological revolutions. Yeah, super interesting stuff. I mean, I think that's maybe some of the most fun stuff to talk about, right, is the stuff that was kind of science fiction not long ago, and then all of a sudden it's here. Very, it's crazy. very cool. So, yeah. So, okay. So since you kind of brought up crypto as a space a little bit larger, I'd love to talk mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more broadly about sort of the state of crypto and sort of your perspective there where maybe first question would just be, you know, what is the state of crypto these days? And from your vantage point, where are we at right now? And how should people think about the season we're in, given, hmm. you know, there is some enthusiasm right now at the time of recording? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you had asked me just a couple weeks prior, I would have been like, well, we're in the, the depths of the bear market. Right, <laughs> and, right. and, you know, it's it, it can be tough sometimes to sort of, I guess, see the forest for the trees and realize, you know, that this is just part of the cycle. Personally, I've already been through two bull and bear markets. So I, I know the drill and I think I can keep a pretty level head. But even me, sometimes it's hard to stay optimistic when we see sort of, you know, usage and adoption slow. But like you said, we're actually recording at an interesting time where I think we're starting to see kind of like the beginning of springtime the ice is thawing and right. there's some renewed excitement coming onto the scene. I'm also personally feeling it. Uh, there, there have been a lot of developments recently in the ecosystem that have also made me more bullish on its future and that we're going to be able to pull this off. And I'm happy to, to talk more about that. But I definitely feel like it might be, we might be coming, it might be, as they say, you know, the dawn and that the dusk is darkest right before the dawn. Love it. So I definitely do have to ask, like, what are some of those signals you're seeing? I feel like the listeners wouldn't forgive me if I if we didn't go there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, crypto is obviously a huge space. And so, you know, I can't talk about everything that's going on. 
But I guess since Blowfish supports both EVM and Solana wallets, I can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess on the Solana side, there are several updates that were shared at the latest Breakpoint conference that uh, were very exciting. One is that they're soon going to have three clients by three different teams running uh, the nodes in the network. That's obviously greater decentralization, which is awesome. It reduces the the chances of the network stalling. And one of those is by a team called FireDancer, and they're actually a bunch of people from Jump Trading. And they have been able to build a node that is 10 to 100 times more performant than the default implementation of the node. And that means, you know, theoretically, it could be possible to increase the transaction throughput to up to a million transactions per second. And so to just see a team and an ecosystem that is really pushing this sort of core issue of scalability is super exciting. And then going to the conference and seeing a bunch of people from the industry, from industries such as gaming and payments, who are you know veterans of those spaces, talking about how finally they can build on blockchain because there's one, you know, there's there's blockchains now that are scalable enough. That is super exciting for me. I guess I think it's all of our hopes and dreams that like crypto will go mainstream. But yeah, the scalability piece definitely needs to be there. And it looks like there are straight strides being made across the whole ecosystem to make that happen. Amazing. Yeah. So Fabio, a couple of last questions here for you. I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, especially given, you know, serial founder here, curious your advice for other crypto founders given kind of what you know, having weathered some market cycles and, you know, maybe even framed as like some advice you could impart to yourself, if that's even an easier question. Younger you, what do you wish you knew that that you could impart to yourself kind of with the hard-won wisdom you have now? Yeah, I mean, the first one's going to seem really trite. <laughs> it's you have to talk to users, you have to talk to customers, you have to put put what they, the pain points that they talk about above whatever product ideas or you know creative ideas that you have about your product. I think that's one place where a lot of founders struggle and fail. And that's kind of a known, known issue. I think the other thing that I've seen a lot of in crypto are people who are almost too idealistic about uh, the future, about human nature, about technology and what it can and can't solve. And I think it is important to have, you know, a healthy dose of sort of realism or skepticism. And, you know, it it just doesn't really work to build for a world that you wish existed. Instead, I think it's much healthier and much more likely to be successful if your project is very realistic about the state of the world right now and the state of human nature and tries to harness those facts in order to bring about positive change and in order to shift the status quo into the direction that you want it pushed. But just sort of blind idealism, I think, can be very damaging when you're trying to build a product and a service and a business or an organization that will actually work. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really great advice. And interesting, maybe just culturally, that might be considered in some parts as almost controversial, right? Like, Mm -hmm. shouldn't we be trying to build the future? Uh, It doesn't sound like you're saying don't have idealism. It just sounds like the the road needs to be realistic about what kind of sustainable path will get you to the future. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like you need to have one foot in the reality of today and then the other foot on, on, on where you want to go in the future. But if you have both feet in the future that you want to live in, you won't be able to build that bridge. Yeah, great advice. Okay, Fabio, last question here for you. What is your team working on right now? And what's the best way for people to follow along on the journey? Yeah, we're working on a ton of different things. I think, like I mentioned earlier, there is this ability to guarantee the simulation results that, that are being shown to users. We're also working on building out this entire monitoring and quality assurance layer on top of the many risk signals that have popped up across the ecosystem. We are also working on a lot of internal tooling uh, and systems that make the risk detection that we're doing of the highest absolute quality. And a lot of that, unfortunately, is not going to be user-facing beyond the warnings and, and, and the quality of the service that we're able to provide to users. If you want to follow along, please uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we tweet updates there. If you also want to check out the platform and the API, go ahead to blowfish.xyz and sign up for a developer account. That'll also add you to our integrator newsletter where we also send a lot of updates about what we've been shipping. Very cool. Fabio, thank you so much for coming on the show. Super interesting stuff. And I can't wait to keep following along on all the great progress. So thanks again thanks and so. have a great rest of your week. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Take care. Okay. Take care. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and maybe give us a good five-star rating and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts so you can get all the latest conversations with the most interesting crypto founders, investors, and builders from across the world. Thanks so much. Have a good one.